Hey, my name is Samuel Fine. I am the creator of Newbie, and you are listening to the amazing App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and this is the podcast where we like to get the genuine entrepreneurs, startup founders for your benefit. The reason we do that is we learn about their journeys, what they're doing, and it really does help us with what we're doing. So even if you're working and you're doing apps on a, as a part-time project, or if you want to get into this world, I highly recommend listening to this particular episode. It's with Paul Myers. Uh, he, he, luckily, luckily, uh, after all this time you know, of interviewing lots of different uh, people around the world, I've gone back to a good Englishman, and uh, I think you'll tell from his accent, he's uh, actually based in London. And uh, he is with BAPS. Uh, you can just go to BAPS.com. That's B-A-P-P-Z.com. Little thing there with the app and then the B in front of it and Z at the, at the behind it. Uh, BAPS.com. And he is also the CEO and founder of an online music store called Whippet and uh, an independent podcast production company called Playback Media. In fact, there's a lot going on. Even Wikipedia can't keep up with this man. He's great. Thank you for joining us on the App Guide podcast, Paul. Thank you very much. I'm a fan of the show. Oh, great. Well, we're, um, we'd love to get into your journey. And I almost think that I guess we've got to start with BAPS because there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, apps. Uh, how did you end up falling into uh, BAPS.com? And was that, you know, you founded the company. So where, where was the inspiration for uh, BAPS? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got into it in with the end of 2007, really. And then earnestly, um, you know, the start of 2008 is, is this became the life that I have now. Um, and this was pre-iPhone. So it was, um, it, it was definitely a, a switch for me. I had a company called uh, Whip It, and it was the world's first uh, peer-to-peer music subscription service. Now, I have to ask, Paul, I mean, uh, are there innuendos based in all of your companies that you end up uh, naming? Do you know other people see it and I never do? <laughs> uh, I, n- well, I never do. Yeah, the, the thing with obviously it, all the with Americans it, listening are not going to uh, get the innuendo with BAPS, but uh, whip it as well. I mean, maybe okay. You know. well, well, BAPS was was building apps, um, or, or or yeah, it was building apps. You know, and I guess uh, the S was gone. Was it the BAPS? Yes, was gone. Yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should, should we explain to American users or should we let them Google it? Let them Google it and let figure it out. It. This okay. is a child-friendly show. and yeah. Uh, But yeah, I just had to, you know, looking at those two names, it did kind of seem that there was some trend going on. No, but yeah, I guess it was an accident. Uh, actually, Paul, it's your filthy mind. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, so no, no, Whip It came from, you know, uh, when we were developing it, the, uh, the guys would say, you know, have you got, I don't know, have you got this file? And then they go, yeah, just whip it off of that server. And I was sitting there going, do you know what? We use that all the time. You know, just take it off, just whip it away, just whip it off. It was like, okay, well, that could be, you know, that could be the hoover of, of the uh, of the download generation. I'd taken the company as far as it could go with, um, with music downloads. You know, iTunes was becoming dominant. We could see that um, everybody else in the in the market was coming in, um, and they would either be trying to sell their groceries and and whatnot uh, on the back of music the way they've done with CDs and. Uh, Really, I personally had to have a change of direction. Incidentally, one of the things that came out of this was podcasts because we started making um, we started making podcasts, uh, and that grew into playback media, which is you know now you know the UK's biggest independent podcast production company, apparently. 
Um, so I started making apps, and one of the things I looked at, and it was pre-iPhone, so it was really Facebook apps, but you could see that this is this was something which had legs. And uh, I, I looked around, I had an idea for an app, and looked around uh, previously for a, a bit of software with some developers that were based in Melbourne. And uh, it turned out that between them, they'd developed between four of them, they developed 16 um, Facebook apps, which was like unheard of. I couldn't find anybody in London. So I kind of acquired a whole team at once. And, um, I, I, and the next thing I knew, I was in the app business. And, you know, very quickly we were, we'd gone from making, um, making Facebook apps to making uh, uh, iPhone apps. Uh, one of the things with the business though is we said we'd do one for us and one for them. We'd do client work and then do something for our own portfolio. Keeps developers interested. They're, they've got new challenges all the time, which is what, you know, you work with developers. Everybody loves a challenge rather than, a, rather than the boring, keeping something maintained and up to date and everything else. Um, but what happened was because we were sort of, you know, maybe new uh, in this space and, you know, it was 2008, it was pretty early, is we kept getting them jobs. We kept developing stuff for um, other companies. And it's, you know, a variety of companies from small entrepreneurs to mother care and vet care and people like that. The, the, the real downside of it was, was that we, um, we became a repair shop, I suppose. We became, became a repair shop. So um, there were certain blue chips, for example, that used big agencies that uh, were doing um, amazing web design. And they, you know, volunteered themselves to do the app. And then they got to a point where they realized that an app wasn't, uh, wasn't a website and it was something quite different. And then we'd come to clear up the mess. So unfortunately, there was a few good apps out there without our name on it because we'd repaired it and we'd sorted it out, or we'd started again from the beginning. But you know, uh, um, that was part of the uh, part of the growing process. You know, I can almost, you know, Paul, I was going to say, I can almost uh, envision now everyone listening to this who's uh, developed an app for someone else, like nodding their head in agreement, because uh, it's one of my biggest frustrations is building apps for others uh, as a repair shop and. you know, you see this time and time again where uh, c- companies spend a lot of money on their website. They go and try and give the same job to the, uh, for an app to their a website developer and they mess it up and then they go and try and get it repaired. And it can be actually just as hard to repair it as it can just to start again from scratch. Oh, you know, I love the, I love app developers, but they're like hairdressers and plumbers. They're walking and say, who did this last time? It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> It's, I've never heard that before, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it is it is a truism, but nobody really wants to sit and wade through somebody else's mistakes if they know how to do it better themselves. And and you know who doesn't know how to do it better themselves, right? Everybody knows how to do it better themselves. Yeah. So so that that you know the business grew from there. We did we did uh, we did great interesting apps for clients uh air vinyl for air studios a studio which was um founded by george martin the beatles producer that was great i think that won a couple of awards we did the the particles for the uh science photo library another one which is a, there's you know there's a free app versions out there of those um and they're you know really nice 
usable, pleasant apps to, to work with. But the um, but we kept going back to the fact that we we should be doing stuff for ourselves. One one of the one of the early apps, in fact, was probably the first app that we put out under our own name um, in maybe two thousand and nine or something, maybe two thousand and ten, but two thousand and nine probably was um, London Tube Map. Yeah, I was, lo- I was looking through your portfolio, actually, Paul, and I, th- I think a lot of the influence you can almost see it, it, probably around you, you know, London Tube Map, and then you expanded out to other cities around the world. Is that fair that you're, you're kind of almost walking around London thinking, yeah, we need this, we need that, and, and you go back to the team and then they build the app for you? Yeah, um, pretty much. I think that if you can't already see the necessity for it yourself, what's the point of doing it? Um, you know, necessity uh, was it necessity as the mother invention and all that, but it is it is true. And with that, it was a case of what's a really simple, useful app that can replace something that's already popular or sit alongside it. And that was that fold up piece of paper with IKEA written on the back. You know, the London the the London tube map, which folds up in your pocket and you lose it and you never take it out with you when you actually need it. Um, so I mean, that started as that, and that's. That's probably you know our most uh, our most downloaded app. That's uh, three million downloads or something like that. Uh, and well, it's congratulations! People, yeah, people use it every day, and um, you know I think I think it's thirty five thousand daily uniques, um, and you know, and it stops people getting lost. So, and I guess it doesn't need that many updates because there's not that many new tube lines that appear. Um, the, the other thing I, I think I get a lot of questions from Paul and, you know, it's up to you how you answer this is that uh, ads and, uh, you know, how to monetize apps. And, uh, you know, if you've got like a, a large active user base, then it seems appropriate to go down the route of uh, advertising. Is that, do you have any views on whether ads on the apps work or not? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, we, we had ads on that almost from the beginning, not quite from the beginning, but after, after a couple of years, which, in the scale thing seems like the beginning and um until it got scale it really wasn't worth doing and to be frank until we put um interstitial pop-ups at the uh, uh, um when you start the app then it also wasn't really worth doing and so going back to when we first did it it was like you know earning like 10 to 30 dollars a day it's kind of like you know, i want to shoot myself well why on earth have we got this app out there and how comes there's you know ten thousand people using it again it's it's uh, it's only earning that. As soon as we put the um, interstitials on, uh, then it then it really exploded. Um, and I'm not saying you know we're not I'm not lighting cigars or fifty pound notes with it, but it's certainly paying for itself. And I would definitely say that's that's the way we use AdMob using their um, uh, using their ad mediation. I think it might have a new name now because Google tends to rename things every three weeks. Um, but yeah, that's that's that really really makes it worth it but there's a case of scale you know it's if you're if you've only got an app which is getting you know 20 downloads a day or something like that just don't bother with the apps you're more likely to put people off build your audience that isn't just going to write a review this would be great if it didn't have ads on it i know sometimes we see that we see we get so much for free and the general public thinks that you know having an ad that they don't have to click on is something which is really encumbering their existence on this planet and as you know but it is a real view from 
consumers and they will write about it. They will say that we don't like the ads in it. So until you've hit that, I think, until you've hit that thing where you've got, you know, 20,000 users a day or more, I just uh, steer clear of the ads because it will cause um, more damage than earning cash. Well, that's wonderful advice. And, you know, we haven't had any preparation beforehand and you've just hit on one of the big themes of the whole show, you know, all uh, 187 episodes before you, Paul, in that uh, it's important to have the audience there first and build that audience. And, and once you get the momentum, then it takes care of itself and you can interrupt the users with ads uh, because you're, you're, you've got the momentum already behind you. And I guess it will just be then a necessary evil almost. Yeah, well, you know, you've got enough users then that, um, that will appreciate the fact that they're getting uh, a great service for free. And, um, you know, we've got ads all around us all the time. Uh, it's one of these things that we have to live with. It's, somebody's got to pay for it. And uh, sometimes it's somebody that wants to sell you something. Well, if you you're, what, what, you're one of the first uh, few episodes to be getting ads on uh, my show as well. So <laughs> I figured it's about time I should start monetizing the podcast. But uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, so you had these successes then with London. I noticed you had um, a, a Flappy Bird type of uh, game on there. I guess, was that inspired by the success of Flappy Bird? No, no, we thought of it before. Yeah, completely inspired by it. It was actually, um, it was actually just a bit of fun. Um, I won't go into the full backstory, yeah, but but Flappy Wabbit with a W, um, and we just built that for just just for the fun of it. Because um, yeah, many episodes we do re- sort of talk about Flappy Bird, and that uh, some of the advice coming out is is not to try and clone some of the success, successful apps because uh, you know they've already got the momentum and it's it's hard to repeat. But uh, it seems like Flappy Bird is one of those those uh, phenomenons that uh, even the clones and the, the um, you know, the, the apps that have been inspired by that have done well as well. Because it was pulled from the market. And that was that was the thing is, you know, as soon as it got pulled, there was a space for everybody else. So we we would have been ahead of the queue, but we had an awful, we had an, uh, an awful experience with, with the particular games developer that um, I won't go into <laughs> right, that, okay. that, we were, that we were working with. It wasn't one of our internal guys. We got offered it, frankly. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, you see, actually, I mean, thinking about, uh, we've had some episodes where the, the, when you do outsource uh, app development work, there are, you know, obviously the the amazing stories. And we've had uh, app developers who have taken small equity stakes in the apps and have managed to generate uh, 2 million, 5 million downloads. Uh, and then there's the others that uh, end up generating lawsuits and uh, it's just a real pain and, and the app doesn't work and you know and it's just been a nightmare for two years and we've had a couple of guests you know with that experience yeah, i guess the can you provide any guidance on outsourcing the app development work to people outside of your team yeah it's um it's a nightmare nightmare waiting to happen there's I, yeah I, I i think your audience you know if, if your audience is or for members of the audience that are coming in to this new, they're probably on a limited budget. They've got a great idea on a piece of paper or maybe a bit further, and then they want to build their app, which means that they've probably got a limited budget as well. The great developers that are available on a limited budget are only going to be available for a limited time. Um, So to try and build a team of great developers on a small budget is really, really difficult because they're either doing it just as a fix between they get between them getting uh, you know a very comfortable job with a big comfy chair somewhere, 
um, surrounded by like-minded people working on a, on a big project, or they've got their own great app, which is about to come out, which you're financing as they're helping you. Um, and then there's the other end of the scale is if you go on Elance and you're, you know, you're going for the cheapest quote or the nearest cheapest quote, you know, the paying peanuts to get monkeys thing really comes into effect there. Um, it's easy to come across guys that will do shortcuts, not necessarily tell you the truth with what they're doing just to make you feel happy. Um, so having a recommendation of someone to use pays dividends. You know, if you can find someone that somebody's used before and they're great, not necessarily the cheapest guy because the cheapest guy doesn't always work out. Um, having a set budget for the, um, having a set budget for the tasks and clearly laying out those tasks are all going all, all to save you a, a lot of grey hairs, um, you know, in, in the months to come. And a lot of it may be obvious to your audience, and I, I understand that, but certainly for, you know, guys coming in uh, coming in early, don't go for the cheapest, try and go for someone you know, or at least with really good recommendations. Yeah, I mean, certainly what I suggest is that you learn a limited amount of uh, information about building an app so that you don't get ripped off. And, you know, you did mention plumbers and hairdressers at the start, and I almost think that uh, it's a bit like mechanics, you know, where you, you if you've got no idea how the thing works, you just absolutely have to rely on what you're being told. And then there's the, the ruthless ones and the ones you trust. And it's almost like the reason why I set up the podcast is because it gives me then the ability to become an authority in the space and you know after someone's listened to uh, several episodes hopefully they'll realize that I, i'm not you know trying to scam them out of any money it's uh, you know i'm just genuinely interested in helping them and uh, and you and you build up that trust and uh, that obviously trust in the industry is, is highly important yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so there's two things that we need to do before we say goodbye one is uh, that uh, we always like to try and come up with new ideas you sound like someone who has got uh, a lot of ideas, uh, literally just in your own life. Um, have you got an app idea you, you're prepared to share on the show? If you have, great. If not, then we've got another way of fleshing this out from you. Yeah, um, I have actually. It's one of the things I, I, I probably should have started talking about at, at the very start is when I said that we wanted to uh, you know, build our own portfolio and we, it was difficult to get around to because we were too busy doing work for, um, work for other uh, work for clients, not uh, other clients, work for clients. One of the things we came up with, with is, um, uh, I suppose it's a it's a first instance comms app, or you know some might call it dating or chat, depends which way you look at it, and called Booty Shake, and it kind of dovetails into what we were talking about earlier as well, in that we built this as an idea, as a project, just to throw it out there. You shake your phone, and whoever's in your vicinity, you'll see um, you, you'll see come up in a list. Uh, in proximity, so the, the closest first. You can set gender preferences and, you know, change your pictures and things like that. So we did this really as a little fun experiment based around the how does the shake thing work? Is this, you know, uh, uh, an instant, uh, an instant, um, I might say instant access, but a, a fun way of logging in, you know, rather than usual pressing buttons, logging now, that type of thing. And going to the users thing, we got a big surprise because suddenly we had like, you know, 50,000 users. And um, we go, what do we do now? Because we built this agile app that, you know, can it take the 50,000 users? What happens when it goes to 100,000? So that was one of our ideas that we just tried to see what happened. And now that's going to be spun off into a into a, another business where um, 
we're doing. I, I've heard you speaking in in the last uh, couple of episodes about um, Kickstarter and Indiegogo and things like that. Um, and we're using Fireflock.com, and we're going to raise some money on that, which is a which is a, an equity based crowdfunding platform. So it's it's more about people being business investors than making a donation to somebody else's business you know we're, we invite people to be part of it so so that was an idea that we um that we had really that became a became a relative success without us expecting it um i mean almost it's great because no, it's it, no it does sound like you didn't follow the money there and you know you just literally came up with this idea as you always do and and you put it down as a minimum viable product got it out there and and I'm guessing that you didn't do any launch strategy or any uh, advertising to get the downloads. It was all organic growth. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it does show you that, you know, people listening out there that uh, keep asking me about launch and uh, what's the strategy, how much money do I need, do I need a big budget? You know, you've just proven that if you come up with something really unique and it's not totally unique, is it? I know there's um, other things out there like Highlight, is something I've used for a few years that you can tell people close to you. But I, I like the shaking thing, and I think that's obviously what, what caught on and and made it so popular, just through word of mouth and uh, you know the I guess the appetite behind the app store. Yeah, actually, probably one of the things that, that Tinder was getting a really bad rap with uh, with users sort of the first few weeks that we came out because they were using a lot of you know fake profiles and things like that. So I think that didn't hurt, um, and also I think that might have been. It, when we first launched was around the time of the WhatsApp um, outage. Um, I can't remember whether that was with that or something else. Sorry, I'm drifting off. Yep, so, yeah, this so, is so interesting. So a lot of growth is coming from the the, the, negative, the, the bad successful apps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. You've just uh, absolutely nailed a, an amazing idea, which is just to keep an eye out um, on all the really popular apps and potentially, you know, look at one thing that they 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 could do better and and wait for that time i mean it, it's almost um it literally in in sync with what uh christoph de Cousin was saying on one of the previous episodes where he launched his app and uh blackberry messenger app on iphone failed uh, on launch day they didn't get to the launch day and so all these users were expecting the blackberry messenger app it wasn't there so they ended up downloading his app and that's how he got his phenomenal successful growth on the back of their their, their rubbish launch <laughs> Well, it's the Achilles heel, isn't it? It's it's look for look for the weakness in your enemy and exploit it, but exploit it for your own good. In in this case, not necessarily to damage them, but to say, oh, hang on, how can we get on the back of that? I mean, it's not rocket science. <laughs> I don't know, but, but for a lot of people, you know, I think we probably get with apps. You get so excited, you get sidetracked in a way to uh, just you know have these ideas and we have to pursue them and. Uh, and it does seem to make sense to just take something that's already successful and take one small part of it and uh, then home in on that and hope that, uh, you you know, if, if you can, uh, as you say, there was an outage or something like that, then then you can pick up a lot, lot of the traffic. And uh, I, know the, I know the podcasting guy had a lot of traffic from when uh, the uh, iTunes uh, podcasting app went down for uh, several weeks and uh, started playing up. Uh, he, he saw an increase in numbers and downloads of his podcasting app. Yeah, I have to say though, um, with that, with Booty Shake particularly, is that it's not launched in the Americas. We've kept it sort of Europe and Australia only. Um, it's more successful in the, you know, the English-speaking languages, and we 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 purposely didn't um, do it in in the US for a few reasons. But when it when it will go live in the US, and it will um, once we've done this fundraiser, 
we will advertise it and we'll advertise it heavily. And we'll advertise it over the first few days of launch because that's where that's where it's most valuable. Um, there, it, it might be depressing, be depressing for people with smaller budgets. But if you've got five grand to build your app or whatever it is, is make build your app for four grand and keep a grand for advertising. Um, and but do that, make, use that advertising in the first week or even in the first three days of launch because that's when you're going to make an impact and raise your visibility on. Um, and I'm I'm talking more about uh, iOS here. That's when you're going to raise your visibility on the App Store, and it uh, and your pound will go a lot further. Well, Paul, you've just invented a new question I've never asked. But uh, if you had a thousand dollars to spend on advertising over three days for an advertising an app, where would you spend it? AdMob. AdMob, and do it uh, and target geographically, um, and probably target within a dem- within a demographic group. For example, just females you know 20 to 25 or something like that to try and make it as narrow as possible because you're also going to get that all i'm not saying that's necessarily going to work for every app but you're also going to get that organic um uh, organic growth where you get friend recommendations because jenny likes it susie got it um whereas you know frank that's 62 may not necessarily mix with jenny who's 17 and if he does, maybe your dad should know about it. I don't know. I used to use AdMob quite a lot. Then they did get taken over by Google and eventually changed their uh, platform. Uh, you know, the um, the thing you log into, the self-serving platform. And so uh, in terms of like the best adverts then you would recommend, um, you did say interstitial ads. Uh, they, uh, they, would they, way, they be where you spend that $1,000? No, I would not spend it on banners. Um, oh really? But, yeah, but I would. Um, I'm guessing that's because it's like the cheapest option in a way. Uh, the banner ads. Yeah, just um, uh, just more, just more coverage. You'll get you'll get more ads out there. Um, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm, I won't be entirely scientific about this, but from an advertiser's point of view, interstitial ads uh, uh, cost a lot more and they're a lot more competitive. So depending on the type of app you've got, if you're advertising a free app, you don't want to pay £13 for a user, you know, you know $20 for a user or something. So, and that's the, that's the territory you start getting into. And I'm exaggerating slightly on the price, but um, that's the territory you get into with interstitials. So it's, okay, you've got $1,000 to spend. I'd rather have, you know, uh, 10,000 or 100,000 banner ads out there than, 1,000 interstitial ads. And I know I, I keep digging on about this, but it, uh-huh. literally I have so many people asking me about this, uh, you know, in terms of launching and strategy and advertising. And uh, I mean, this is a very unscientific uh, comment, but uh, I found that when I was using AdMob, I would say about a third of the uh, presses or, that you're paying for were the fat fingers where people accidentally uh, pressed, uh, you know, and especially on some of the apps that uh, the the location of the banner would be right near the button where you needed to roll the dice or something where, you know, people would do accidental hits. Uh, and then once they landed on a, a website, for example, um, there was about a third that would just literally cl- close out immediately, spending less than a second on the page. Uh, where, where would, I'm guessing that the, the best thing to do then is to get to um, the app store to download the app uh, after clicking the banner. Yeah, sorry, you lost me there. <laughs> Yeah, shortest route. Just get them straight to the app store and uh, and uh, and 
in there, you know. So yeah, there's no point sending it to a website to explain it or um, things like that. Yeah, so, long-winded. Right, Paul. This is the App Guy podcast. We love uh, talking about apps, and uh, you know, we wouldn't be right to leave you without uh, asking you your favorite apps on your smartphone. I'm guessing it's near you. I'm guessing it's an iPhone as well. Yeah, it's an iPhone. I've got. I'm surrounded by different ones, but. Right. Have you got the whole generation? I did that once where I lined up, I think, um, the 3GS through to the 5S. It was quite interesting. But have you got the whole, you know, just array of uh, phones? Right now, because I tend to donate my iPhones to the backs of taxi cabs and things like that. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So right now I'm, I've got a, I've got an old, what is it? Where's that? It's a 3G and I'm on a, on a 5, but I've got, you know, Blackberry 10s and iPod minis and a couple of Samsungs. Was that? That's nice, a Hawaii. Yeah, I've got some, I've got some Android as well, but I just find, I don't know, I find Android difficult for me. I'm almost so, imagining I, you walking around with one of these uh, Rain Max on with, when you open it up, there's this rows and rows of different devices that you have carrying around with you. Like a Spivy Watch salesman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're, do, you, you're quite addicted to your devices and your gadgets. Yeah, my, yeah, um, yeah. I guess it's part of the work, though, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, and that's the excuse I make. <laughs> right. Well, go on Some, then. Tell us about an app that we made. And I pick up my phone and say, sorry, I've got to do this. It's part of my work. It's testing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's your excuse. So what what, um, what app maybe you, can you tell us about that you think we haven't come across? It, it can be a BAPS app if you want, or it can be uh, something you actually you know also use on your phone. Right. Um, I'm, I'm actually just going to open my iPhone and see what I last used, what apps I last used. Um, I use AdSense because it's really easy just to see whether whether the, uh, whether our apps advertising is working well today. That's nice and easy. Um, out of the BAPS apps, because I'm not in London at the moment, I've been using Truthseeker a lot, which is a, which is a podcast app which, which gives alternative, uh, alternative views on the news, so not necessarily what um, – sort of corporate media rams down your throat. Oh, I love that already. Oh, no, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, I've, and, not, um, I've, I've switched off from uh, mainstream media now for at least three years, and it's been the best thing I ever did. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I, I sit there watching television and saying, but you just said the opposite. What, what, you know, is this a marketing line? That's brilliant. You, replay, you repeated that three times. And I, I love that marketing campaign. Which government do you work for? It's really... so. So, listeners, if you're looking for alternative news, check out Truthseeker, which on our website is truthseekerapp.com. I think that guides to it on, from our website. And they're doing a, a – it's, it's a good bunch of guys, actually. They're doing an Indiegogo um, campaign at the moment as well. So I'll put, I'll put links up on the, the appguy.co episode 188. Uh, so anyone who's uh, trying to write this down whilst they're driving, please stop, you know, keep your eyes on the road and, uh, and just go when you're finished to the appguy.co and uh, search for episode 188 with Paul Myers. All the links and stuff will be there. Honestly, uh, just, just pull over wherever you're going is not important enough. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, stop all that propaganda coming through to you from the mainstream media. There's always agendas behind everything. And uh, and it's not until you start to listen to some of these alternative sources, then uh, you actually do realize that. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I'm really into that stuff. So yeah, that's definitely one I'll be uh, playing around with. Okay, so what else am I using? I use Pacer, because I like to like to see how um, how far I'm walking. I don't know why I never compare it to anything. I just it's one of those things that's just 
maybe it's a little bit addictive. Um, what else have I got in there? I've just opened. Um, I used all the usual messaging apps. You go from one to the other to the next. Out of all the messaging apps, um, apart from Booty Shake, which is, uh, but for people you know, like Telegram is just way ahead of WhatsApp. It's just so much better. Um, it's faster, slicker, looks nicer, more reliable. So I love Telegram. Um, again, because I'm out of uh, out of the UK most of the time, but on a UK phone, I use uh, Tugo, T-U-G-O, which is the um, Telefonica O2 app that you connect to Wi-Fi and it, it, it acts as if you're on a local call. Um, um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty good actually. I'm on the three network, and uh, they've just uh, advertised their uh, similar version. And uh, just for anyone who's wondering, uh, you know, if you're on some of these O uh, two or th- uh, three, you can get these apps, and they will uh, use your phone credits to make internet calls. And yeah. so, yeah, it's uh, it's good when you can't actually. Ironically, now we're in a stage where uh, a Skype call is uh, ten times better than a phone call, which uh, wasn't used to, wasn't the case when I started out, you know, doing this stuff. Well, I moved to Barcelona a couple of years ago, and every time somebody called me on 3G network, you know, on the normal phone network, I was having an awful experience. So I I went back to Viber, which I'd had a few years before, which was awful when it started, and suddenly I could hear everything everyone was saying. It was like, a, you go, how, does, how do the free guys do it so much better than the guys that are, that are charging us a fortune? Surely the guys that are charging us a fortune should say, well, maybe we should use some of that same bandwidth and still charge a fortune but what they've done what the telecoms companies have done is they've just driven us away they've driven us away not necessarily through cost now it's through call quality and particularly international it's horrendous Basecamp, yeah. i use Basecamp as a as a service but also use the Basecamp app a lot yeah it's from the guys from 37 signals and uh i love uh, Basecamp. great well you've given a lot uh, almost everyone uh, again, unique for me, and I'm sure unique for everyone else. So that's great insight, Paul. Uh, how best can we get in touch with you? Because you know you're so inspiring to talk to. I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of people who would love to uh, connect with you and reach out. How, how best can we do that? Oh, um, just call me. I'm too good. Um, no, I'm I'm on Twitter, but I don't really tweet a lot. I sort of like do three tweets in a row and then and then disappear again for like two weeks. And that's uh, at Paul Myerski, M Y E R S. Uh, K-I, I forgot how to spell it. Um, uh, BAPS, I, at BAPS, um, you know, we just tweet stuff about the business and things like that. But um, I, from the BAPS website, you can always get me if there's something uh, something interesting going on that we should talk about. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm always available. Wonderful. Well, again, thanks very much for coming on the App Guy podcast. You are a superstar. I, I love the fact that you, you've shared your journey so openly and uh, it's given us some insights. And uh, if anyone uh, is inspired enough to uh, leave their corporate role because of this, please do let us know. And uh, we would love to to speak with you. But thanks very much, Paul, for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Oh, it was great fun.